I didn't have to walk up and down the aisles yelling, Popcorn, peanuts, get your popcorn and peanuts here, with a super heavy vending tray. But it might have been more fun. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Shortly after Kenny and I moved to the Twin Cities, I heard about an opportunity from a friend that sounded pretty fun. She said there was an organization that hired people to work at Target Field during the Twins baseball games. You signed up, worked whatever games you could, and then any money you earned could be designated toward a nonprofit organization or toward an educational institution. She said people often did this to earn money toward their own education or for their kids' college tuition. Perfect, I thought. I love sports, and we have a couple kids in college. I envisioned selling pretzels and pop and hot dogs while enjoying America's favorite pastime, marching up and down aisles. I was excited and asked her what I needed to do in order to sign up. She told me about a special training evening I'd have to attend and gave the, me the email I needed in order to connect with those in charge. A few weeks later, Kenny and I showed up, signed up, and sat down for a few hours of training. Kenny came along because we figured, you never know, I might be having so much fun that he'd wished he was doing it. And he couldn't do it if he didn't sign up for training now, so there we both were, feverishly taking notes as we learned all about food server regulations. Not long after that, I was scheduled to work my first game. I, by now, had realized that I wouldn't be walking up and down aisles, but rather would be working in a concession stand. I got my uniform on. Black pants, closed-toe black shoes, visor, <laughs> and button-up uniform shirt. I had a bottle of water with me that I knew would be permitted under work guidelines. I was relieved when I heard that for my first game, I'd be able to carpool with a friend and a few others. You know, the whole directions thing? We all piled into somebody's van. We drove to one of the suggested parking areas, walked to the worker's entrance at Target Field. Once we made our way through security, we started dividing up among the various concession stands. Now, before I continue with my story, I want to be certain that you don't get the wrong idea about the food available at Target Field. Let me tell you, our sponsored stand is not all there is. Like, if you want, you can get walleye and poke bowls and smoked beef sandwiches, or you could get chicken shawarma or steak sandwiches from Murray's. You could find a Tennessee hot chicken sandwich or a Cuban sandwich. And if you wanted, you could finish your meal with an amazingly delicious frozen hot chocolate. You could. Or if you'd rather, you could make your way over to my stand and get soft serve and a helmet or a dollar dog if you wanted to. Well, if it was Wednesday, dollar dogs are a Wednesday promotion. Don't come to my stand asking for a dollar dog if it's Thursday. You could get a hot pretzel any day or a nice cold Killebrew root beer if you wanted to. The root beer is great. Because I like the hustle and bustle of a stand and the idea of selling people things while enjoying a Twins game, I was kind of bummed when I discovered there was no TV monitor in my line of sight, and I couldn't look through any area to see the field at all. Oh, well, I thought it's kind of exciting just being here. I'll focus on that. After we had all signed in to work, our boss divided our crew into teams. Register, grill, runners, ice cream. On my very first day, I was assigned the register. 
My job was to take the order and make change. I'd slide the ticket to the right to be filled. If somebody ordered a beer and they looked 30 or younger, I was told to check their license. If they ordered any other bottled beverage like water or iced tea or the previously mentioned Killebrew root beer, which is amazing, or whatever, I was to get it for them. If they ordered a beer, I was to pour it. I was horrible at that. Most often when I tried, people would ask me, is this your first time? I only could legitimately answer that correctly once. So, yep. And then it was nope, second, third, nope, fourth, and so on until I lost count. But I was still horrible. I finally just adopted the phrase, nope, just looks like it, sorry. When things would get busy, I forgot to look people in the eyes when they ordered. I just looked down at my register so I could find the button super fast because I wanted to go really quick. I figured people appreciated that. Maybe my customer didn't, but everyone behind them would. One time, I took a man's order. I heard him say, I'd like a hot dog, a pretzel, and a beer, please. Looking down, I quickly punched the correct buttons as I simultaneously asked to see some ID. I only looked up when I heard him say, Are you blankety blank kidding me right now? I'm 72! Which put me in a very difficult position. You see, much of our training was based on how to comply with the rules in order to serve beer. So now I was in a quandary. We had been told over and over and over again that once you ask for an ID, the person must give it to you. They can't talk you out of it. If they do and you back down, you break protocol, and that's bad. So as I looked at this man who was obviously over 30, I had that rule in my mind. But with that rule, I also had the forefront of my mind, the warning given to each of us as we started our shift that evening that there would be a compliance officer wandering around to check to see if we're following protocol. And if you're not, my boss said, you could be fired. And so I apologized to this man. I said, I'm so sorry. You are right. I shouldn't have asked, but I did. And now if you can't show me an ID, I'm sorry I can't give you a beer. He decided I also couldn't give him a hot dog or a pretzel either, and he turned and walked away, not at all encouraged by the fact that I was also saying, isn't it great, though, that I didn't think that you were older than you really were? I've made a few more mistakes during my shift, but I was able to correct them as well. No harm, no foul, right? For example, I asked the wrong person to get me a few more rolls of quarters when I needed change. That person apparently thought it was an egregious mistake, but I decided it wasn't that big of a deal. I was really excited when the time came for my 15-minute break. I turned in my coupon for a hot dog. I could choose either a hot dog or a pretzel during my shift, so perk, right? I took my hot dog and my water and stood closer to the park so I could see the score and maybe thought I could catch a batter or two. While I stood there, I heard someone behind me saying, Excuse me, what do you think you're doing? And then they repeated it louder. I wanted to see what was going on because clearly someone was getting mad at somebody and I wondered if there was going to be a fight and I was curious. As soon as I turned, this mad person was my boss. Well, she asked, looking right at me. I looked to my left and right. Well, what do you think you're doing? I wasn't sure what she was getting at, so I started just giving her all the answers. I'm on my break, so I'm eating the hot dog I got free with my coupon, and I'm drinking from the water bottle they said we could bring in when we work. She said, I could see that. You're also on break in your uniform, and that's not acceptable. I apologized. I told her I did not know about that rule, and I assured her I wouldn't do it again. The game went into extra innings that night, and we had to stay for the duration. We started closing down a couple of the registers as we saw fans leaving. We had already quit serving beer during the seventh inning, so that was already cleaned up. Now we just started shutting down the grills. A few workers were sent to the back to begin washing pots and pans in huge metal trays. I was one of those. 
My boss was there giving directions again. Wash in this tub, rinse in this tub, rinse with this disinfectant in this tub, do your utensils like this, etc. It was pretty late by the time we walked away from the field. My friend and I met up with the other workers that we had carpooled with. They were coming from their stands. As we left the stadium, I kind of felt a sense of camaraderie with these people who spoke now a familiar jargon to me as we commiserated with each other. Extra innings, right? I know. Or, oh my gosh, what was the deal between innings three and four? Everybody was craving nachos. I just listened. A number of days later, I went back. Same deal. Carpool. Security check. Assignment distribution. During which I got yelled at for chewing gum. And while I had every intention to spit it out once my shift started, knowing I couldn't chew it during my work hours, I decided not to get defensive and instead just said, ah, oops, sorry. That night I was assigned to ice cream. I liked that. I didn't need to ask for anyone's ID. And I could say things like, would you like that in a cone or a helmet? Do you want hot fudge? Do you want sprinkles on top? They're free. That was fun. And it was always busy at the ice cream stand. People were always happy to get their ice cream. Order taking was just a bit different. We'd write down the sundae or cone they were ordering on a small slip of paper with their name. We'd spin around, take two steps, place it underneath a stack of others just the same for the ice cream makers to read and fill in the order they received them. The ice cream makers filled the order, turned and handed it to the runners who would shout out names like they were taking roll call. Lindsay, Sarah, Joe, and so it would go. And it was fun. Most of the workers actually didn't like the ice cream station because it would get messy and sticky and it was usually pretty crowded. I liked it because I didn't have to worry about compliance officers and I never came home smelling like a fryer. And, well, it's ice cream, so how can that not be a great gig? This time, when it was time for my break, I was ready. I turned to my ticket for a hot dog, filled up my water bottle. I put a Twins t-shirt underneath my buttoned-up uniform shirt that night. So, having lived and learned, I just took one layer off, walked over to watch the game and enjoy my hot dog, which I did. Until I started walking back to the stand and ran into my boss. What do you think you're doing? She said. I'm like, oh man, again? So again, I answer thoroughly. I'm just finishing my break and I'm heading back to the stand. Why don't you have your uniform on? <laughs> I was like, well, because last time you told me not to wear it when I was on break, so I took it off. No, what I said was, you're on a break in your uniform. That's not acceptable. I argued just a bit this time. Yeah, so I thought if I took my uniform off, that would solve that. She replied, oh, you did, did you? Well, it didn't. Next time, break where everyone else is breaking. To be honest, I didn't even know what anybody else was doing. I never had seen somebody breaking anywhere. I had wondered where everyone would go. So I asked her, could you please tell me where that is? She rolled her eyes and said, you cannot tell me you did not notice the chair before. The chair by the dish tubs. <gasps> Guilty. She was right. I had seen that chair. I thought it was for someone who had issues with standing a long time while they were doing dishes. The chair was a very small, foldable, tripod, camo, camping stool. It was set up by a big box full of cans of nacho cheese. Apparently, when people would break, they would sit either on that box or on that chair by the dish tubs to eat their hot dogs with their uniforms on until it was time to get back out front and start taking orders again. I tried it once after that, but I didn't like being that close to the dirty dishes and splashing water. So instead... I opted to eat my hot dog quickly while walking to the bathrooms where I then would sit and stall in the bathroom stall until my 15 minutes was up. Someone asked me, why on earth would you choose that over a break chair? I had to think about it for a minute, but I realized it was because I knew for sure that was the one place I would not hear my boss ask me, what do you think you're doing? Another time I was taking orders and again, looking at my register instead of the customers, I heard someone say, we'd like four hot dogs, two bottled waters, and two iced teas, please. I was ringing them up and then heard, 
Kirsten? I looked up and saw two women I recognized. Two women that I actually hadn't seen since we moved back to the area. I wrongly assumed they were surprised to see that I'd moved back. Instead, I found out they were surprised to see me working concessions. They looked almost apologetic as I filled their order. They paid me, and one of them said kind of haltingly, just keep the change, as they walked away slowly and, and looked at me with a little bit of pity. I laughed a little and noticed my coworker eyeing my tip and looking at me with a little bit of jealousy. Hmm, just depends on which side of the register you're on, doesn't it? I could go on and on with more snippets, but I'm going to end with this one. I've been coming home day after day after day with all these crazy stories about my boss and the co-workers and all, but I felt like they just weren't doing it justice. So Kenny decided he needed to come just once to experience this for himself. So he did. We rode together. I showed him the employee entrance. We made our way up to our assigned stand. We gathered around while they handed out our job assignments. Who wants the grill? A couple people raised their hands. Who wants register? Most of the people raised their hands. I did not. Neither did Kenny, because before we got there, we decided we were going to work ice cream together. We heard, who wants to be a runner? A bunch more people raised their hands. Then finally she asked, who wants ice cream? We need at least four people to raise their hand. Because like I said, remember, people didn't like working ice cream. That's exactly how many people we had. The boss pointed to Kenny and said, how about you? She pointed past me and to someone else. You, and then a person to my right. And you, and then she looked at me. Why didn't you sign up for register? I responded, well, we already have people we need there, and this I thought it would be fun to work with my husband. She looked at me and said, whatever, go ahead. So I headed right over to the ice cream station to start unwrapping and stacking helmets. That's what you do to prepare. I was glad Kenny could see something crabby right away, though. That was kind of fun. She came over to him moments later and welcomed him to the team. She showed him how to work the ice cream machine and pointed out that we keep the hot fudge squeeze bottles in the hot water bath so they would pour more easily as the evening went on. And then our window opened and sales started. I took orders with another worker. We wrote on our slips, put them on the counter behind us, underneath the previous ones so they could fill them in the order they received them. Things were going smoothly until, well, Kenny kept forgetting to return his hot fudge squeeze bottle to the hot water bath. Rookie mistake. No judgment here. So over time, the hot fudge was getting a little tougher to squeeze out. But things kept going quickly, and instead of taking the time to analyze the situation more fully, Kenny just kept squeezing the bottle a little bit harder. Until finally, he had a helmet sundae in one hand, piled with ice cream. He shook the hot fudge bottle, shook it harder, and squeezed it even harder. The cap came off, and hot fudge sprayed everywhere. The floor was slippery and sticky. The machine was the same. It was all over his clothes. I panicked when I thought about the boss seeing the problem, but... I figured Kenny can handle himself, and it'll be kind of fun to laugh together in the car on the ride home about whatever she said when he got yelled at this time. He grabbed towels as he was cleaning up. The rest of us went about our business and stayed focused. People needed helmets Sundays. That didn't change, right? So nose down. Let's go. Eventually, Kenny finished cleaning the counter and the floor and the machines. He was just about ready to get back to work when in my periphery, I noticed our boss coming. She was coming in hot with a new hot fudge bottle. It was filled and she was ready to go. My heart started racing just a bit as she walked over. She handed the bottle to Kenny and said, Wow! I just want to commend you on the great way you handled that situation. Other people maybe would have freaked out, but you did great. And then she smiled, which was for real the very first time I saw her do it. Kenny just smiled back, shrugged his shoulders. And I kid you not right here. She then walked the two steps over to me 
and say, I just want to make sure you're putting the orders under the previous ones and not on top. I was like, yep, I am. She's like, well, be careful because I think I saw you do it maybe wrong once. So, and she walked away. I looked at Kenny and was like, are you kidding me right now? That summer, every time I went to work, I knew on the drive home I would be thinking, my goodness, nothing I ever do is right. And she always seemed so dissatisfied with me. I heard someone say almost this exact same sentence in relation to God the other day. This beautiful woman looked across the table at me and said, I just feel like everything I do is not quite good enough. And I have such a hard time believing that God could be pleased with me and love me. Can I say in all capital letters, false. And can I also add in parentheses, that's sort of true. First, it is true that our best attempts at being good will fall short of God's glory. And that no matter how hard we try to do the right things, whether it's the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule or just trying to love people better, we will always fail. So yeah, in a way, everything we do is not quite good enough because it's not perfect, but God still loves us. In fact, it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. It was his love that reached down and brought us to himself. It was because of his ultimate act of love toward us that we can even have a discussion about pleasing him. Paul was aware that believers might find themselves in this type of conundrum too. He prayed for the church of Colossae along these lines. Colossians 1, 9 to 11 says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Paul prayed that the church of Colossae would understand through the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit what God's desire was for them. What was his desire? That they would grow in their knowledge of him that they would understand who he is and what he's done, that they would also bear fruit in their good work, that their labor would not be in vain. Paul wanted them to know that living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God would please God. This type of life then would overflow with thanks to the Father who makes it possible. We're going to look at these verses again next week as we look at yet one more lesson learned from the concession stand. But until then, I want us to think on these verses. I want us to pray these verses. And even as I close now, I want to pray with Paul for each one of us that we too would be filled with the knowledge of God, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that each one of us would even today live a life worthy of the Lord, that we would please Him in every way, that today we would each bear fruit in every good work, that today we would grow in our knowledge of God, that we would be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that we today can have great endurance and patience and together we can bring joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified each one of us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. <laughs>